Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the potty. Some VIP guests this week for our second last episode of the year. They have been much requested. Our husbands, welcome back. Howdy. Thanks for having us on the show. Welcome back. Nick and Nick. Now, for those who are new listeners or have forgotten, both of our husbands are actually called Nick. But to keep things somewhat easier for everyone listening, we will be calling my husband, Sophie's husband, Nick, and Jade's husband, Harry, for this podcast. And before we get into the Q&As, one of the main questions was, is Harry's or Nick's real name Harry or Nick? So Jade's husband's real, real name is actually Nicholas, but his nickname is Harry because... I used to read, still do, and love Harry Potter. There you go, folks. (laughs) There you have it. Simple. Not much to it. Not much to it. Simple yet effective. You've heard it here first. Let's just get straight into highs and lows, shall we? So each week we talk about our highs and lows of the week, but we're going to get you guys in on it too. Sounds good. So, Jade, why don't you kick us off? What's been your high of the week? Well, my high of the week was celebrating my grandpa's 92nd birthday and I and a lot of other people couldn't believe that he is actually 92. He looks like probably a 70-year-old man and whether that's a compliment or not. Yeah, what's his skincare regime? Well, you should see my nap. She's brilliant too. And it is, they don't go in the sun. That's it. And I don't like the sun. So hopefully I look fabulous at their age. That rules me out. Yeah, Nick's already ruled out. So a massive high. What was your high, Harry? My high was your family's here, obviously. And it's just been a pleasure and been great to have everyone here. Babe, I said what your high was, not your low. (laughs) (laughs) Is this how... (laughs) Yeah, anyway, happy and healthy. Your family's here. We're all celebrating and and spending time together. So that's a, uh, you know, you can't ask for much more than that. And what about you guys? Well, our high, I think, is obvious. We are recording this via Zoom today. And this is the first time that Jade and I haven't recorded together because Nick and I are down in Melbourne and we're seeing all of our families, which has been really nice. It's been nice to have a bit of a breather, have some other people to white bums and entertain kids and not our bums the kids bums but, <laughs> but you know you take what you can get so that's been really really nice has that been the high of your week indirectly i would say the high of my week was being able to go to urban surf and surf and just have a leisurely breakfast with no kind of time necessarily to be home so indirectly it's a very selfish answer but I said to him I go so his session this morning was at 6 a.m and I said you've got to be home we're recording the podcast at one o'clock and he goes oh 
can you ask them to do it any later? I said, <laughs> later? That's fair what enough. What the fuck are you doing all morning? And he goes, oh, well, I want to go to Paran Markets. <laughs> and I said, I think that from six to one, mate, you can get home in time. So it's been a good morning. And Jade, any lows <laughs> yeah. this week? Any lows? Have we had any lows, babe? Oh, I don't want to be, don't want to be a winger, but traffic's never fun. <laughs> we live in Byron Bay, and it is absolutely out of control. Actually, that was a pretty bad low to start the week. It is a first world problem, but we have all the traffic changes happening in the middle of Byron, and they've decided to cut off half the roundabout and let everyone in and out use one side. So it has been banked up to our house pretty much. And we live like probably what? A couple couple cases. Yeah, trying to get the kids to school and from school, we've had to leave, you know, well in advance. And you know how that goes down with uh, children in the car. So I'm sure I'm not the only one whinging about it this week, but hopefully once it's all done it will be a, a lot smoother well, other than that though we can't we cannot complain that's it though mm. you know just a bit of traffic yeah. i forgot about how aggressive melbourne drivers can be until coming down again oh my gosh i was literally walking on the footpath and i was getting like anxious about the people driving and i wasn't even on the road like i I can't handle Have it. you not been in the car with me driving? I have and I hold on to the like door the handle <laughs> on the side. <laughs> so does my grandma, God lover. Nick, any lows? Has this there way? been any lows? I would say only like the sense of Melbourne is like because we haven't really had to deal with any kind of masks. Oh yeah, how's it been? It's super whack. I can't get I keep walking into stores and forgetting. Yeah, I just think there's a weird I don't know, I'm a big like hugger and it's like I love a sense of community. So being down here, it's like super weird. It feels like that separation between people is a lot more prevalent. So, And, I mean, we miss the worst of it. So you really feel for everyone who's yeah. been here all year because there does even still seem like a bit of a disconnect between the community. So I can only imagine what it was like in the, you know, in the thick of it. Yeah, so I'll just say like observing that, it's like it just makes it, feel a bit more real but it's not necessarily low it's just an observation I guess my low is that the past two nights Goldie for some reason has forgotten how to sleep so I'm going to be one of those people I used to roll my eyes at and blame it on teeth and we'll move on and hope that tonight is a better night my fingers are crossed development development it's definitely <laughs> developmental I say she's that every time she's going through a leap guys now for everyone at home or in the car or anywhere I wanted to just give you a a view of what we actually look like Sophie and Nick are huddled together over a microphone I think Sophie's wearing a skivvy underneath her dress Nick's wearing a long sleeve and it is currently what temperature 19 degrees there's a chill in the air and Harry and I are sitting in our daughter's room in Byron Bay. It is probably with all the windows closed so we can record about 35 degrees. I'm wearing nothing but my... my Grundies. Be- no, I'm not wearing Grundies. I'm wearing a bikini. They look like Grundies to me. 
Anyway, I'm wearing a bikini and Harry's wearing shorts and a T-shirt and we are beading with sweat. I'm disappointed. I was expecting Harry to have no shirt on. I feel like that's what I was promised. So let's get these questions started. There might be some hot and heavy ones that can fulfill (laughs) that for me. Let's try and get it off, shall we? Let's start with a really nice positive one that came in from our listeners. What's your favourite thing about Sophie, Nick and Jade, Harry? This feels like a loaded question. We didn't write it. Someone else wrote it. Yeah, we didn't write it. Go go first. I'll, I'll copy you. As in, am I saying something about you and Jade? No, just about just me. You? Just you. <laughs> yeah, can you, can you well, say something Well, that's dangerous. About me? What if you've got this like whole list of things for Jade and there's like one thing for me? <laughs> you know, you ask the question, I'll answer it truthfully. This feels super loaded. So, you know, I don't want to be Butter too complimentary to get up. go. But yeah, I would say particularly recently, I definitely have a lot of inspiration and admiration for what you've managed to do. I think traditionally, like with studying in medicine and things like that, I think it would have been extremely easy for you to kind of feel the need to follow that pursuit. So I think seeing you, how much you love being a mother and then being able to create this podcast and for you guys to start it so organically and it turn into something that you guys can both financially reward from but also how much your listeners love and appreciate what you guys do. Yeah, I'd say that's probably Thank my favourite. I don't know if it's my favourite thing but I just I just think that that's really cool. Thank you. Pleasure. And you got a great ass. Bless. That's so cute. Hanny, what is your favourite thing about me? <laughs> hmm. As of now? Whenever, dull. You well, the time. I guess I'll touch on that. I'll just jump I'll just get a little piggyback. No, seeing the um, the progress of this podcast and what you girls, and especially you, Jade, as well, uh, have been able to achieve, it's quite invigorating for me. It, it's a really exciting thing to see me going through my own progression as a person, going back to study next year, Woo. being a father, trying to juggle what I'm juggling to see what she juggles, and you, Sophie, as well. Yeah, it's quite incredible. So it's the same as uh, what Nick touched on. A lot of admiration and respect, really, because, you know, three children, getting them off to school, getting all your other little bits and pieces in order and dealing with me, your parents, everyone, always making people happy. Yeah, it's quite incredible. I just can't thank you enough as well, really. Oh, honey, that's so nice. I got to I Nick's like the platform. He's not. <laughs> that was really nice. <laughs> no, it's true though. I do. I do. I really do appreciate what you do and just seeing it every day and just seeing what mothers in general go through. It's just a reminder that motherhood, if you, if you don't have a job or stay-at-home mum, there's so much honour and respect in it, I think, and only a father or someone that is in a household that sees what goes on behind the scenes mm. will, will probably understand that saying. And I think that... We've had a bit of a role reversal this year. You used to be the one out 24-7 or, you know, five oh, days yeah. a week. Partying. No. no. <laughs> working. And we've sort of t- made the shift to me doing a lot of work and you've you've had Yumi a lot. So you've been much more of a stay-at-home dad that you have ever been before. And I think that you have realised just being here and understanding how much goes into housework, looking after children, having things on the table, having a full pantry. It's important to understand that when someone says, oh, I'm just a stay-at-home mum, 
it's not just a stay-at-home mum. You were doing probably more tasks than, you know, your husband going to work in a day. Yeah, I just wanted to commend the stay-at-home mums. definitely more at stake, you know. A guy fucks up at work, move on, the hierarchy takes care of it, you know, a boss or a successor or whatnot will will take care of it and and do that sort of stuff. With mums at home, you're the end of the line. You're the one that has to take care of it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of courage in doing that. And there's a lot of stay-at-home dads nowadays. So, um, yep, we need to allude to the stay-at-home dads as well. They're in the exact same boat. Yeah, and it's wonderful to see. Indeed. Like you two guys over there. Hi. Hey, yeah, would you like us to join in on the conversation? <laughs> Nick, this year as I've kind of stepped up the amount that I've been working has really stepped up his, yeah, stay-at-home role. And I think that as much as it's, a, a, I guess, a privilege that he is able to in some ways step back from work to make space for me to, you know, explore things, it does, I think, make you understand one another as parents so much more because I understand now what it feels like sometimes when you just don't want to go to work but you have to and Nick understands you know what it feels like to go oh my god what I'd give to just leave the house right now but I can't and so I like you know I say that if you can feel out both the roles so that there's there's I think there's less resentment towards one another because you both are in some ways fulfilling both roles and also there's a real mutual understanding of the really rewarding parts of both roles, but also the challenges of both roles. And I know that's not possible in all households. I fully get that. But anytime you can, even if it's on the weekend, you know, swapping roles here and there, I think it it does really make you be able to understand one another more as a couple. Yeah. And I think with having that role reversal, our arguments have really subsided with, oh, I just want to do this and I've got to do that. We really now respect and understand, not that we didn't before, but we, we, we do understand the other role. And because of that, those conversations and, and those arguments have definitely died down, which is wonderful. On a more serious note, Harry, do you scrunch or fold? I scrunch. <laughs> Nick? You dirty dog. I'm a folder. More contours. I'm with you, Harry. I'm a scruncher too. You and get, you get folding, more edges, you get more yeah. contours, which means you, you get more substance. Disgusting. Mate, contours Absolutely. leave gaps. Contours leave gaps. I don't understand the scrunch because I just don't see how you can get the whole. What do you do? Do you just do you just fold it and just smear it up your back, do you? <laughs> and then fold it again and then you know you've got another flat surface. Oh, what? So you touch the pet? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to move on. Nico? I'll give you a demo next time I see you. It's on. Oh, God. Okay. One thing you wish you knew before your first child that every new dad should be prepared for, Harry? Maybe taking time for granted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like not necessarily actual things on their own. Like, oh, I wish I took advantage of traveling more. I wish I, you know, took advantage of, of spending more time doing this or that. I think just time in general and what you do with it I'd probably try to respect it a little bit more and, you know, my whole life leading up to children was just so fast-paced, just like, oh, just doing stuff non-stop, seeing friends, going, travelling. And, yeah, I just feel like I kind of neglected the time and you just kind of blink and you're, you know, in your 30s and that's all fine I've I've had the most fulfilling life and I'm so grateful to have beautiful children and 
and just to be able to have children and, and live the life I live. And a beautiful wife. And a beautiful wife, throw that <clears> in there. <throat> However, yeah, j- just the way I spent my time and how I spent it and all of that, I think I'd probably, uh, it's always easy in hindsight, but yeah, I think time, I think maybe respect the time you've got a little bit because once you have children, it does speed up. Mm. Time just speeds up and it, 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 that's not necessarily a negative thing, but there's no doubt that it speeds up for sure. Yeah, time isn't necessarily yours anymore. There's, you know, you're dividing it so many ways, whereas I feel like before kids, as much as you might be working or whatever, time is very much more yours to decide what you do with it. What would yours be, Nick? Oh, it's such a hard one because there's so much that you don't know beforehand. I think trying to know everything beforehand is almost impossible. Oh, I think it's just being prepared for it as a challenge. Like I think so many so many new dads don't realize the, I guess, you know, for, to put a positive word on it, like adventure that you're about to take on. And it has like crazy challenges, crazy learnings. I don't think there's really anything or one thing that you'd want to know beforehand it'd be more so just yeah being prepared for the challenges that are coming up and hopefully you've faced some adversity in your life beforehand so that when those challenges come up you're equipped to deal with them like positively or with your partner and like grow and learn from each experience I think there's not like one but There's if, so many aspects. If a friend, if a friend goes to you, oh, I've just found out that my partner is pregnant. Mm. What would be like the first piece of advice you would give them after saying congratulations or whatever? Yeah, I think probably telling them to go to that calm birthing course mm. would be the one because I just think there's so many dads are like cut out of the equation of the birth and there's so much obviously focus put on the mum because your, your child's inside of you I get that rather than just like being along for the ride but actually being there to be able to be a part of that experience and not just like a vessel for semen <laughs> it's kind of nice my, my answer was very selfish I realised it was more about me and my time but I, you, the way you phrased that next question but I think I think you meant more with the parenting right like what no, we meant no. anything in general. No. And then the next question is, do you have any advice for first-time dads? So now that goes into parenting. I've, I've got a bunch of friends that have just had their first, although I don't think I'm anyone to give anyone advice. If it was because I, I have had children before them, I always try to be a calming influence on any of my friends. I've realised if, if, if I'm ever talking about kids or children and if they don't have them, they're about to have them, I usually just say, It'll all come together. We're all in the same boat. You are alone in the sense that you are the father, but you're also not alone because you've got so much support or there is so much support out there, whether it's in literature or books or podcasts. Pod, exactly. Podcasts. There's a lot of information and you just, you're just not alone. You're not alone. And, you know, it, the, the sleep thing, everyone gets worried about this. No sleep. You, you'll, it'll all come to you and there will be a paternal, uh, part of you that will come out and I just always just try to say them it's it's crazy but you became a father seven and a half years ago so back then when when you 
obviously were becoming or about to be a father, were there any resources around you or friends around you that you could actually get insight to? And if, if you could get insight to, would it, would it have made any difference? Or do you think that, you know, it is one of those things where you become a father as soon as the baby is in your arms and you do all feel nervous and scared and, and frightened and overwhelmed and, you know, immensely in love. It's, it's a crazy, crazy whirlwind of a ride. Over thousands of years of evolution, we, you've developed that natural paternal or maternal instinct and it will eventually come out. It will come out. It will come out. And I think you'll naturally grow into that role. With me, I, I didn't, I didn't really have anyone that had children. I was in Melbourne for Mia, for my first daughter, and I didn't have that many friends down there. So I just kind of, I kind of just winged it, to be honest. And it also helps if your partner is very maternal. That that definitely helped me. You were just a straight up natural, Jade. So it took a lot of pressure off me, but I didn't really seek any third party advice. Didn't really take on anything else. I kind of just winged it. Hmm. I think innately in it, like I think it's great to be prepared and ask people about their experiences, but I think whether you're the mother or the father or there's two mothers or there's two fathers, you you cannot be 100% prepared for it until it happens. And, and I think that's just all part of it because everyone does it differently and you have to learn things on the go. And if you try and model your parenting completely off the advice or experience of someone else, it's never going to happen because every baby's different every parent is different and you do have to in some ways surrender to the ride of it because uh, like I think that's sometimes the best thing you can do because you you can't like you know Jade we talk about it all the time if you have concrete expectations of how things are going to be well you're setting yourself up to fail you almost have to go into it going you know, I can take this bit of advice. I can take that bit of advice. I can, uh, I can, you know, get support from this person when this or that is happening, but every child is so different. And also I think the biggest advice that people love to give is when it starts with you just wait or wait until, and we have mentioned this, but I think for fathers and mothers, yeah, Nikki. Ooh, the shirt has come off, babe. Are you naturally that's hairless? Yes. No, he's got a few chest hairs now. I think in your 30s, you're starting to be more of a Amanda. I got a full set of hair, a really bare torso, and then down below, it's really hairy again. So We can show you later, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see that later when it gets even hotter in here. But we'll yeah. Just, yeah. The old, yeah, the old man. One of the, one of the few bits of few things that my dad passed on to me was the... Uh, bare chest. Yeah, I don't need to wax it. Good. Thank God. Harry, this might be more down your alley because you were saying you didn't really have any friends that had kids. You know, how old were you when you had Mia? 22, 23, I think. Yeah, so pretty young, whereas Nick was a little bit older, still young. We were like 26, I think, but we had a lot of friends with kids. Do you have any tips for parents who still like to party or have friends that don't have kids? I Even if... People didn't want to admit that they had probably had to give up those kind of ways. I think naturally you get to that position anyway. Like I think once you have children, you know, unless one person's going to be taking a f- the total full-on role all the time, I think you've, you'll have to change anyway. So I think naturally it'll just it'll just happen. You won't be able to go out as much, and and surely I don't think many people would 
be thinking of that as a problem. Oh, I'm sure there would be actually, but... But I kind of remember at the start of Mia and us having two children and you wanting to surf or doing certain things and, you know, there definitely was a time where you weren't really in a party. Was I milking it? Well, no, you just wanted to do a lot of things and that's when you realise that you, like as a parent, you have to be selfless and you've got to have time, yeah, a little bit of time for yourself, of course, but, you know, I guess that's the thing with before you have children, you have all the time in the world for you and then that really does get pulled back quite a lot because you've got other dependents. Other priorities, yeah. it's definitely a source of frustration. Probably the main, one of the main sources of frustration for new parents is, yeah, you don't have the time that you used to have. Mm. And I'm sure it creates a lot of tension in a lot of relationships. Even you and I, Jade, we still, we still have those arguments and, you know, the old who's busier arguments. We have them on a daily <laughs> basis. So who's, you know, going to take care of you, me, or who's got to work and who's got to do this. And yeah, it's always, you know, when you want to do something, and you literally cannot do it because you have commitments a commitment a priority a child you know it's definitely it can be really frustrating but like i said before you just learn to live with it because if you don't you're going to be putting a lot of tension on your relationships with your child and your partner and i also think that with a relationship you know there's two people involved so of course, there's going to be times where you both or one of you are going to want to go to a party or you're going to want to do, I don't know, go out with your friend and have a drink. And we've really learnt to balance our our life out in the way that we have to pre-plan everything. Planning for us is key. If I unexpectedly tell Harry something that I want to do, you know, within a 24-hour period, uh, it takes him time to sort of process that and get his head around it and and make plans. So now for us, a big thing that has changed our arguments, I guess, is and our communication is planning ahead, having a shared calendar. I know, Sophie, you mentioned that you started doing a shared calendar with Nick and it is awesome. It's also awesome to just communicate what you want to do and how you're feeling instead of being you know, angry and wanting to tell your partner how tired you are, you know, in a, in an argument, because at the end of the day, we're all just trying to be heard. And I think that with, you know, us, we, we always want to be heard. And if you can communicate the best you can in terms of, I'm really tired today, I'm a little bit grumpy and I've got this thing coming up on da, 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 da. Is that fine? I just need my time. You both have agreed on that. It's locked in and there you go. You've got a plan and you've got a little bit of a you time. So Compromise is the key word Mm. for sure. Compromise, you you learn to compromise. If you want to go out on Friday and you've got some friends or you've got something you want to do and she's got something, you've got to weigh up what's more important and sometimes you cop it on the chin and just they do what they have to do because it's more of a priority. And then you say, okay, I'm going to play golf on, on Sunday. So that's, you know, it's just about... And this is this is twelve years of relationship. Like that's that's us being single, then us being you know together, living together, going through one kid, two kid, three kid, married, and we're only really sort of working our really good balance out now. So it definitely doesn't happen overnight. And Nick, you're a hobby king. Do you have any 
advice for, you know, dads and mums to still be able to fit in the things that they enjoy, you know, once you've started a family? Yeah, for sure. I love I love a hobby. Yeah. I think the shared calendar thing is huge. Like for me, if I know, like say we're sitting down on a Sunday and looking at what's coming up for the week, if I know I can go fishing on Tuesday and the weather looks good, to be honest, I don't really give a fuck what else happens for the rest of the week. I don't care if the kids shit the bed or anything. <laughs> I'm I'm more than happy to deal with those challenges because I know how much I love doing certain things. And if I have the time to do those with no like time specifically to come home, I'm so stoked and I'll just go as hard as I can doing those things because I just love it. But yeah, for me, it's more just on a weekly basis having things that I can look forward to. And I think that I don't want to put words in Soph's mouth, but I feel like both of you feeling like you have the time to do the things that you do to the level of quality that you want to do them and then you both end up stoked. Your kids get happier parents for the week and and that's that's the goal. But you do have to be realistic. Like I know it's not realistic to go hunting every week but maybe like once a month. <laughs> Happy days, you know, for like somewhere between three to seven <laughs> days. It's on, it's on record. It, it changes, it? You are <laughs> changes your appreciation yeah. to things. You don't. And yeah. all of a sudden if you get to go out in the boat for the one day for the week, you're just like... You appreciate that so much, the time being able to do that. And all of a sudden you're like out there and you're like, oh, this is just, this is the best thing ever. Whereas when you were, you know, five, four or five years ago or before children, I'd be out there happy and stoked. But once again, taking it for granted. But also it's a win-win because you, you, you guys end up missing your children as well. So you go out and have your time appreciating that, which also makes you appreciate your children. Well, I hope, right guys? Guys? I'm thinking about fishing now. <laughs> Mate, if my life was as organized as my fishing tackle box. We get off the boat, guys. Come on. Get back to the podcast. <laughs> what can someone do, Nick? What can someone do to make sure their husband feels included in parenting? From the get-go, Sophie and I spoke about like our philosophies of like how, you know, what we thought like our parents did well and what we thought they, you know, could have done differently and I think we had those conversations early on 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 like how we wanted to parent and I don't think either of us speak to our kids in a way that one of us doesn't approve of. So we're, we're in a unique position or maybe that was just through communication where we got on the same page straight away. But I do observe in some families where it's really obvious who has taken on the parenting role and it looks like the other parent is just along for the ride and I think it's in those instances, it's quite, you know, I personally would feel quite powerless and always be looking to the other person for what they thought was the right decision to do. So I think, you know, because we have that relationship where we're both, I feel empowered because we're on the same page. All I could encourage other people if they feel like they're in a situation where that's not balanced is to communicate that that's how they feel and work out how they both want to parent so they can talk it out. Um, And it doesn't necessarily always have to be in the exact same way. I just think it's knowing that there's not one 
you know, there can be slight variations in the, obviously yeah, if you have sure. completely yeah. different parenting styles, that is probably going to lead to some issues. But I think if there's some slight variations, I think sometimes, especially the mother might need to realize, okay, well, I'm kind of making up the way that I would like to parent. So, you know, if it is a mother father relationship, then sometimes it's giving the dad some grace of being like, okay, well, he's just making it up as he goes along too. And to, you know, respect that. But also with with that, I think we have to allow, obviously when you become a mum or a parent, you have this, you know, instinct role to be like, you know, I'm, I'm feeding the child and I'm doing this and I've got that. And the partner can sort of stand on the outer and not feel like they're really included or they can really help in a way. But I have noticed with, you know, our parenting styles, they are completely different. I am actually not the hard ask. Harry's the hard ask in terms of brushing teeth and, and sugar. Whenever we disagree, we will then usually try and take it away from the children and have that conversation away, like in the pantry, so no one's listening because we want to be able to go away, come back and be like, no, 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 dad's right. We try and support each other, you know, in in the at the time. I think we also need to respect that every dad has a way of parenting and every mother has a way of parenting and it it may not be the way that you like but the bond that they have with their father is the way that the father has created it and and you don't need to get involved in that we have to definitely show a united front or mia our eldest we use it as leverage use it against us down the track she's very uh switched on with that sort of stuff so yeah we've definitely got to at least even if we differ from with our views on a certain parenting technique we definitely have to show a united front or it will be used against us you are the weakest link (laughs) goodbye goodbye now from a husband to the husbands do you have advice on how best to support your partner after they have given birth harry pretty self-explanatory i think not think, really, because they've asked. These people haven't given birth, so they are asking. Well, just be, you be there for one. You be there. In what know, way? Oh, in, in physically. In a, physically, yeah. Mentally, spiritually. Well, um, for sure. It's yeah. Deep, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so definitely in, in those three areas, quite literally, you want to be there because they'll be going through some pretty heavy physical formations, depend, depending on if you've had a cesarean or. Had a vaginal vaginal birth. It's a vaginal birth. Sophie, no, Sophie always says that I say vagina with an F. Yeah, it's taken it back for me as well. Vaginal birth. Yeah, so they're physic quite physically. They're going to be suffering, and then mentally uh, with all the hormones and and you know it's quite a big experience. You'll you'll need to be there on an emotional level, and then spiritually and emotionally you want to be there too because they're going to be definitely questioning themselves they're going to have many existential crises and yeah you just got to you just got to be there and offer your support in any way you can whether that's getting getting a bottle of water or going and you know getting a clothes that are going to be comfy to sleep in um, or not talking yeah or talking or just getting out of plainly fucking off pretty much yeah if they want you to do that. But always come back before the child gives well, maybe, birth. Maybe they don't want you to yeah, do don't that. Go too far. Thing, if that could be the best thing for it is just you fucking off. So <laughs> if that helps, then you got to do it. Yeah, I think just echoing what Nick said, like um, 
yeah, sorry, echoing what Harry said. Yeah, I just think being empathetic to what they've just gone through, like it's super common obviously for mums to get the blues a little bit afterwards. So, yeah, I just think obviously putting all your hobbies aside for a second. and <laughs> That's big of you, Nick. That's really big of you. Maybe not trying to put your missus away too quickly either. Is I've heard a lot of stories of guys getting shitty that they're not getting any. So maybe, yeah, just be empathetic. I think like <clears throat> hopefully you're having kids with your partner because you love them already. So you've got that relationship where you want to make them feel supported and, and do what you can. But I think too there's just that you know, in in some mums, there's that thing where they want to do everything, but also trying to get them to understand that it's, you know, a failure to accept some help during that time as well, whether it's from like family or or just you taking the baby as well for, for periods of time. I think it's, yeah, it's so case by case basis, but like Nick said, just, just being there and yeah, being around. Can I say one piece of advice to all the dads out there? Because this actually came up in the postpartum body episode that we did. And Jade and I both said that you two have been good in like, we don't know how you feel deep down, but in no way have either of you made either of us. <laughs> we don't swing. We just stick to the one. Yeah. <laughs> when we're all in a room but together, you guys like- are, you make us feel really, 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 really sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you still tell us that like, you know, you don't act like we've got any less sexy because we've had kids and that might all just be a front because you still want to get some. But you know, like I just think to the husbands or the partners out there, if your partner has gone through giving birth, whether they're a size six or you know, 60. Yeah, whatever. Like their body has changed. And even if they have, you know, what society calls snapped back, they are going to have moments of doubt. So if there's any time that you can just say, wow, babe, you look beautiful, that is never going to go down poorly. That is always going to be a good thing. That is a great, great, great suggestion. And there were a few people that said that, you know, my partner doesn't want to have sex with me after birth or I don't feel sexy. And even the little sub comments like, you know, Harry will make every morning, like I just know that he's going to walk past and either tap me on the bum or just say you look beautiful. Hardest part about being a dad, Nicholas? I would say the hardest part about being a dad is figuring out the difference between each part of your life so there's like you know the work part the partner part in terms of you and your partner and then you and your kids but then also your relationship with yourself and trying to make time to do each of those really well I think is probably the biggest juggle and I think you go from just looking after yourself maybe whatever you do for work and then your partner and and you find that balance but you add kids in the mix and that's a 24-7 commitment. So it's almost like a blanket over those three things as opposed to it being like a whole separate thing, which is maybe how I thought about it beforehand was it's like, oh, we've got kids, work, time with myself and time with Soph, whereas adding kids into the mix is that 24-7 thing. So suddenly you don't have the headspace to think about work. You don't have the headspace for yourself as much so making time for those things and setting your expectations on how you're going to do things is probably the hardest part because I'm like in some ways a bit of a perfectionist with like work and design stuff with work that I like to mill over for a really, really long time before I make decisions I found that really hard whereas I felt like my quality of work really suffered then my quality of like being a partner to Soph 
would suffer as part of that because I was worried about that and that can I could see how that could snowball but you know I'm lucky that I've done a lot of stuff early that I could kind of you know pull back a little bit at work and be around to do some more stuff at home which allowed Soph to do this podcast and and some other things as well so I think that for me has probably been the hardest part it's just the juggle of all the hats that you wear and trying to do them to the quality that you would like to I think. And Harry, what would you say is the hardest part about being a dad? It's not just you you've got to think about. I know it's a, it's probably a cliche, but you've, I mean, and I've touched on, I touched on this on the last podcast we did, I think. You have to worry about someone other than yourself. And I mean that in a, in quite a literal sense, as in, you know, when you have children, you're very protective and you've got to worry about their well-being, which is just a natural response to being a, a parent. However, you've also got to worry about yourself personally. For instance, you can't do, you've got to, you've got to question yourself and, and what you're going to do and if it's going to impact the children or if it's going to impact the children via you being incapacitated to, to do your job and your duty as a father. So just little things like, you know, uh, we traveled Europe, it would just be like, oh, we're, we're going to Bosnia, we're going to Morocco, we're doing that. Now, just the simple places. Now we, you definitely have to make a decision about what you personally are going to do because if you put yourself in danger, it's a very selfish risk and you can you can put that down to everyday decisions as well. You know, messaging on your phone when you're driving, which... We I'm, do not I do. Am, I, we shouldn't. I'm guilty of it every now and then. But not when they're in, in the car, but if you do do it, you know, it's you're putting your own life in your hands and, you know... If you want to be there as a parent and as a father for the next, for their whole upbringing, you've got to make mm. a decision. You've got to make a choice on the spot. And I, I find that it used to be, oh, okay, my life is in my own hands. But now I've got three or four other souls that are in my hands. So I've got to make conscious decisions on, based on those, on those variables. Yeah. Mm. And if we flip that question, what would be the best part of being a dad? Oh, best part of being a dad, I, it's the same thing. You're you're bringing up three little souls, you know, not just your own, and gives my life total meaning now. Because if if something did happen to me tomorrow, touch wood, I would be proud that I've brought up the girls that I have, and that's just so exciting to know that you've brought up three humans into this world. And yeah, it's I guess just just that is is the greatest part of it is you've you've left a legacy, and I don't mean that in a material term, like you know, I don't mean that by the the literal sense. I mean legacy, as in you know your blood, mm. your your human form through genes, and I think it's a it's a really special thing, and I guess that's. That thing that everyone touches on, that thing that changes you once you become a father, you know, you only will know it once you've had a child. And I think that's a part of it is you have created another, you've created another person and it's just so special. It's so enchanting. Yeah, it it gives you so much. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I mean, so much of what Harry just said resonated with me as well. But I think, you know, I think it's the purest form of, like the natural world of what we're supposed to do, you know, all the other stresses or the reasons that people find it hard to enjoy being parents are things that like we as humans have created work and all the other shit that comes with it. So I think like in its purest form, just having a family and that little tribe and watching 
them interact it's just like the, a pure emotion of joy and it feels like as close to nature as I feel like you can get like you know even if this might sound weird but I feel like even if we didn't speak a language and you still observe like your family and kids and you're all playing with them it's just that emotion of joy and connectivity that feels like the most pure and I think in as we get older those experiences are harder and harder to get so it's that thing of like you know you do all this stuff in your 20s and explore the world and and do whatever but then just that that natural feeling of having a family and wanting to protect them and enjoy that time is yeah it's just pure joy i feel like if if i achieved nothing in my life then i would and if i achieved everything in my life i you feel like well i feel like being a parent would probably be my greatest achievement like I, it's a i got it's a get out of jail free card because no matter what I get held up against in terms of success, I'll always be like, well, I've had three beautiful children and for me that's the pinnacle of success. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. I agree and I think that it's, and I think I'm guilty of this and I, I think finding time for yourself and for hobbies and things is so important but it's so true that I think the joy that if we allow ourselves to be truly present with our kids is so often the joy that we are chasing in so many other pursuits. And sometimes I feel like if we just took it back to the basics and were truly, truly present with our kids, it is that exact joy and it's right there, you know, in your home. But we do so many other things to almost try and chase that feeling. I just actually had some a thought that I was going to say before when you asked that party question. Yeah. A really cool thing that happened in our household like at the start of COVID was our friends from upstairs, Katie and Jay, came down and I can't remember like how the conversation kind of came up but we decided we're going to have like a few drinks and start dancing at home and we ended up like putting on different songs like on YouTube on our TV but then we even started putting on like Fisher Losing It and seeing how much Poppy loved like dancing and just like going crazy in the house we even got a strobe light out and a smoke machine and just like went for it oh my god what you just had that in your pantry cupboard yeah yeah you know but no no, it was i think one of the cool things is like i feel like so many parents want to escape parenthood and go and like you know party or whatever and the same for this question it's like your kids want to have fun too so it's like if you allow yourself to get on their level and just be a kid, which is pretty much what you're doing when you're partying on the dance floor anyway. Like you can have that, not saying like get on the pingers with your kids, <laughs> but you can have that level of like play and excitement in your own house. And I think part of like the best part about being a dad is like the kids reminding you of like just to be stupid, like, you know, just dance like no one's watching, like be an idiot, go down the creek and be an elephant in the water with a baby kangaroo next to you, you know, like just, yeah, do stupid shit and have fun. Like don't take yourself too seriously. So we're all coming to yours and getting on the pingers. <laughs> that's, the, that's the moral of the story. <laughs> Is that what you were saying? You've got, but yeah. Poppy will You've got be the revolver set yeah. up at home. And we're but they're actually tiny teddies, so. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds huge. You know, just to t- take a turn down ghost town, there was a question that said, what is the grossest thing that you have seen Jade and Sophie do? I know what it is, but... Do you? 
Yeah, but I'm not going to tell you that. The grossest. Do you thing. know Nick? Oh, yeah, I know what you don't. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Jade did a number when we were traveling through Europe and both our pretty stories kid. are, are, are feces related. Yuck. Yeah, when we were traveling through Europe, I think we were, we were camped somewhere in Italy and Jade was too scared to either go. Well, there wouldn't have been, yeah, there was no toilet available, but, you know, you'd expect to just kind of go a little, you know, fifty the 50 meter zone. And anyway, yeah, she decided just to go next to the van. So the next morning, we had a bear shit just right next to the <laughs> step. Shit. Just straight there, yep. That and was pretty gross. Like, my- it was, and that's not even gross, is it? Like, really, it's not that gross. Thank but you. But it's pretty gross. Because in my defense of that, yeah, I Mar- actually. Morocco. No, I actually, you know, I had to go. And it, what, it's okay for a guy just to go out and do a shit, but I can't do a shit. Of course you can do a shit. You just don't have to do it on the step of the van. But I was scared. If my mate took a shit next to the uh, van where I was camping, I would still be off it. pretty off it. <laughs> we got so many shit stories. It's yeah, gross. we've got shit coming out of our ears. Jade- That's the grossest thing I've done. I don't feel like I've got the best memory in general, but I feel like the one, the main thing I can remember is also the reason why I – why, one of the reasons why I asked her to marry me was when I was really, I was blind drunk and we were down in Gippsland. I just knew I was going to munt. So I was just like leaning over a jetty and I was like, just had the spits. And then Soph told me to trigger your finger myself. And I said, no, Someone might not know what that means. That's just like put your, your fingers, fingers down, down your, throat your throat to make yourself spew. And I just said it didn't doesn't work for me. And then she just grabbed my jaw and stuffed her <laughs> hand down my throat. And it worked. I munted everywhere. Came back to party. Yeah, so that was pretty gross. But then I was also like, wow, if she's willing to do that for me, then that's... That's true love. That's pretty amazing. I just told him my wife took a shit in the van and you come up with that story. <laughs> God. But... Wait, did you not realise that that was the moment that you loved Jade? No. Uh, when- the moment the moment that we, he realised he loved me was when we were in Morocco and he Surely was... Story. Have I told this story before? To yeah, I think so, but go there. I think it had to get cut out, but go again. Yeah, I think it got cut out too. But anyway, he was really really sick in Morocco and we went we're in the middle of nowhere and had to go to this hospital and we walked in there was blood like in the toilet walls yeah it was pretty they the doctor asked me to the hospital was made of clay yeah the hospital was made of clay but anyway long story short he had he was so unwell I had to carry him out lay him in the dirt I couldn't the toilet was like I had blood everywhere a western style trough like a like a piss trough, but with number one, number twos, and number threes and fours in there. So I couldn't go there, <laughs> and I went out to try to find unnamed Jade bodily fluids. So on the verge of dying, like potentially could have died on the border of Algeria. Now let me finish it. And I and I sp- no, spewed no, and number two, and I created didn't. a little island, and I no. couldn't leave the island. He he was <laughs> he was spewing and he was shitting at the same time in the middle was, of the street. In the middle of the sh- street in dirt, and people he, just watching me. And and everyone and he's like, babe, I'm so sick, and I had to get baby wipes and literally lift up his ball sack, and there were flies everywhere. Oh, there were flies were like everywhere. Oh. I was squatting, like literally just swatting them away, wiping that, and after that I said to you, if I can do this, I can do anything with you. Oh, hang on, that sounds so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you do after that? <laughs> yep, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's true love right there. Harry, 
Was there anything in any of Jade's births that grossed you out but you didn't want to say it? Yeah, well, fuck, there's a lot of shit in these, this podcast, I'm telling you. What? Yeah, I, there was one, and this is just, this is a byproduct of, of birth. You are pushing and contracting the hardest you ever have and ever will in your life and when you tend to push stop laughing and you squeeze too. and contract as you do when you're giving birth you know things happen and anyway this was our i think this was even yumi our third one. Oh, good it's uh, fresh yeah yeah it was fresh all right uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the the nurse i went down to get food or something and i get a call from the nurse saying it's on you better get back here so i fly back and i walk in the oh this was with billy okay and she is standing up over the toilet because that's how your hips and everything kind of helps open up in that position well some people are different but I know that sitting down helped you. And the, the nurse is holding her. Another nurse is holding her up. It's all happening. And the nurse just goes, oh, there's a head. We're on. I'm like, okay, we're on here. Let's go. It's been 10 hours. That's just Some brown hair. It. And she just gra- <laughs> she goes, grab it. And I'm like, here we go. We're on. And she just kind of like dips her hand in and just, oh, nah, just flicks it off. And I'm just like, kind of, it just kind of lost me for a sec. I'm like, what, baby? A baby got thrown at what's going on here? And I just kind of look over. She made a brown trout. It's just a big brown trout, just in a towel, just thrown in the corner. We just move on. Let's go. Let's worry about the baby. Let's not worry about the brown trout flopping in the towel in the That's corner. That's disgusting. And anyway, yeah, that was, you know, and and maybe listeners will take this into account when they're when they're in the uh when their misses are dropping b- where, bombs. when they're on the stage. But yeah, it's uh that was that wasn't that bad, but you know, it happened happened a few times. <laughs> My word of advice is no matter how gross things get, do not utter a word of it until yeah. you're a long way into the track. I zip my mouth and nose and just kind of moved on. <laughs> Fuck you. Nick, what about you? Did any gross bits? Please say a poo story. I want to know that Sophie does poo. Oh, I think just the head coming out the vajorts is so gnarly. Like... One, the one thing I didn't realize is like the cone shape that the head comes out in. Like I thought our kid was like not the right shape at the beginning when Poppy was coming out. But then also like just there's so much stuff coming out of there. It's it's not a good time. All right, guys. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful That's as the thing. Well. It's like I just feel like initially I hadn't ever seen what that would look like and that it's just a hectic visual like it quite quickly goes from that to a baby out and you've just completely forgotten about it but for that split second when the head is breaching out of the vajorts it's uh we're a mature podcast here you can say vagina 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 yeah that's so did you feel like seeing goldie's head come out you were more prepared for how that would look yes but it's still (laughs) like in your nervous system it's quite interesting it's intense like it honestly looks like, it looks like it's you're going to die. It's definitely a shock no matter the third time it's even a shock. But there's also people that don't actually fart and poo in front of each other. So oh, I mean me not that not we a, poo in front yeah. of each other but like uh, that's I'm not even coming from that angle. I just mean like yeah, I, the first time I hit the emergency button when Poppy was being born cuz I thought Sophie was like dying 
but it's just like how it happens. But um, who who would have come in? Weren't they all there already? Nah, they left. Nah, the midwife left, and then our sofa's making like deep cow noises. <laughs> She's like, I think I'm having a baby, and she was. But I, all I could see was like blood and like this weird thing like poking out, and I was just seriously shitting my. I think I might have shit my pants actually. <laughs> So, yeah, I just hit the emergency button, but it was... The eject button? I hit the eject button. I just was ejected out of the building. <laughs> yeah, no, I, there's nothing that can prepare you for that. I reckon even if I saw a video, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. But when you see, yeah, it's it's real. It's, it's primal. Yeah. Harry, have you had to make sacrifices in your career for family? And if so, how did you navigate this financially and socially? I could easily say I made sacrifices, but really they were probably just failures and they were probably my own doing, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) I could say my career could have taken a different turn if this happened or if I had this sort of time or if I didn't have to keep working full time and whatnot. But all that's in hindsight and I might have, yeah, it was probably my own doing anyway. So I can't really say I've had to make huge sacrifices. I moved to Melbourne for a guy from a small town. That was a big, it was a kind of a big step for me. I'd, I'd been traveling, but, you know, I was definitely a, a small town kid and I had no uh, kind of aspirations to go to a big city at all. That was, uh, but that was before children as well. So, and, and these are all. He did it out of love. In the, in the grand scheme of things, these are all quite minute kind of uh, sacrifices. I would have liked to have had more, time to focus on my career whether it was the writing or or whatever vocation I was taking up at the time but yeah I I can't say that I've I've had to make significant sacrifices I think we've been pretty blessed and I've been pretty lucky so yeah I can't really I couldn't sit here and complain about it that's for sure what about you Nicholas yeah I mean no not really I think I think the biggest thing for people is like they feel like kids are a point in time that their life's never the same again after that. I I think that, you know, kids are a season and there's a period of time with which they need a lot of attention and then they go to school and and then you'll probably find yourself with a lot more time again. So, yeah, I don't feel like I've made any necessarily career sacrifices. If anything, it's just changed my priorities that I know I want to be super present with my family and, and, you know, I love hospitality but I love cooking for my family first and foremost and then friends so I haven't made sacrifices it's more just like trying to work out what my priorities are now and how that works in with work and lucky for me I just kind of started in my business quite early so I was in a financial position that I can take a bit of a step back but I've certainly changed the way that I work to suit my priorities which is hanging with my family and because it is a priority I don't feel like it's a sacrifice oh that's nice hey you look exactly like Goldie but with a beard right now it's crazy I kind of do (laughs) do you want me to breastfeed on camera what scares you most about having girls and them turning into teenagers the internet yeah drugs and the internet I think then boys okay internet drugs boys in that order doing drugs while on the internet with boys that's A perfect storm. (laughs) What do you love most about being a father of girls? They're an enigma wrapped in a riddle in a mystery. So it's, uh, it's fun to try to work all that out. 
And what about you, Nick? I think I've always just got along with girls slightly better than guys anyway. Like naturally, I'm quite empathetic. I'm not, even though I maybe do some stereotypically manly things, I wouldn't, I'm not like a... Lads, lads. Yeah, I'm not like a ladsy lad. I just kind of like, you know, conversing with people. But I also think I understand the, the male brain quite well that, you know, hopefully I can guide the girls to respect themselves and make like good decisions as like strong women hopefully so i'm just yeah to be honest i don't really care if i had boys or girls i think i'd just do the same thing really Mm. yeah i think it softened my parenting too i think it helped my parenting Uh, obviously it's easy to say in hindsight oh yeah i'm a better father with girls because i've only ever had girls but yeah it definitely it softened me as a person which is good Mm. i wouldn't want to be too until the teenage years and then you'll be a hard ass with a baseball oh, I'm bat. I'm a hard ass already, but. Uh, Nick, how did you deal or feel when I had the miscarriage first? Uh, one, because I'm naturally a really positive person. I think I just saw it as, you know, a hurdle in the way. And that wasn't just like me trying to deal with it. I just knew that Soph and I would like overcome it and that we would have kids. And yeah, it was just our first experience with it yeah it was sad like we definitely shed some tears over it and but we also not that we had a laugh about it but it did bring us really closer together it made us realize that we really did want to have kids and yeah it I just it wasn't meant to be like I think the female body is amazing that it can reject something if it's not right and that would be a really hard life obviously bringing up a child that wasn't of full health so yeah, I just respect that it's a natural process and that everything would be sweet and it has been. Harry, do you view Jade differently after seeing her birth babies? Every person sees their partner differently after giving birth because it's just such an extraordinary achievement and it takes so much will and, and yeah, bravery and courage and it take, it's, takes a lot of pain as well. So, yeah, I just saw her. I just thought she was even more fantastic than she already is afterwards. So a few people wrote in saying that their partners refused to have sex with them while they were pregnant or after having their baby. Do you have any tips for the women or the men? Wait, who said who refused to? The, guy. the partner, yeah. I can't really answer that question because I just don't. You're always on. Yeah. I mean, what do they do instead? Like. What, like, what do you mean? Like maybe watch TV or something? <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel like I can give you an answer that you probably would want to put out in the ether. Do you find sex different after children? No. Yep, that's a confident answer. Yeah, Jade. <laughs> no, no. It's definitely less frequent, but it's understandable why that is. But look forward to more frequent years. It's a season. It's a season, yeah. as you said. Yeah. I think I described my insatiable desire in the previous episode. <laughs> and what do you want for Christmas? Do we really have to answer that question after the previous question? I'll get leave passes. If leave passes are like fishing and camping and like those sort of leave passes are sweet. Golf. Heaps of golf leave passes. Oh, here we go. Ten. I'll just take Good a ten inspiring. pack. Oh, my God. I can buy my own golf clubs and do all that sort of stuff, but I can't buy the leave passes. So Put in the calendar, love. 
Thank you very much, gentlemen. We hope that answered everyone's questions. We'd love you to share it with your partners if, you know, they're looking for things to listen to, as we've had a lot of people saying that there's no dad-specific podcast. Nick, we're starting a dad podcast. I think we should say we're doing a podcast and we'll just go and do activities. No, you guys can have an episode every now and then on here if you like. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, boys. Bye, guys. Ciao, babes. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.